And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how understanding your why and having a life plan can really help us to go after the things we want in our lives. And we're going to talk about how we can use tools to understand our gifts and our leadership gifts, as well as why it's important to find a community and surround ourselves with people that can help us grow, help stretch us, we can help bring along. And I think it's a really great and rich conversation, so I can't wait to get started. Hi, today on the show, I'd like to welcome Melissa Mashburn, who is a ministry leader, author, speaker, life breakthrough coach, and the co-founder of the Mashburn Consulting Group. Welcome, Melissa. Hey, so glad to be here today. Thanks. I would love it if we can start off telling the listeners a little bit about your background and your journey up to this point. Well, okay, we're digging right in. (laughs) Let's see. I help female leaders find their community, own their gifts, and take their next step. And so basically, my background is, is I've spent the last 20 plus years in ministry doing pretty much anything and everything in between. Uh, I love the local church and being a part of of what uh, God's doing through the local church. And in that, just really had uh, some great opportunities to love on and care for specifically women. I work with female leaders mostly um, and just help them break through whatever is keeping them stuck. So I've been married to my best friend, Matt, for 28 years this weekend. Uh, We have uh, two amazing adult sons, Nick, and he is married and lives in South Florida with his beautiful wife, Ashley, and our youngest son, Bailey. And hopefully soon he'll have a fiance. And so we'll have another beautiful daughter-in-law soon, hopefully. And uh, actually, we just moved to Kentucky about seven months ago from Orlando. We've spent the last 30 plus years in the Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and then the last couple of years in Orlando and, and decided to move to Kentucky right before winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was fun. <laughs> so yeah, life's been an adventure, that's for sure. And so just having an opportunity, no matter where we go or where we land or what we're doing to, to just come alongside people and help them in whatever's going on in their world is, is kind of a heartbeat of mine. I love that. So can you tell us a little bit as you've worked with women, whether it's through the church, you know, in ministry or whether it's through coaching, what are some of the biggest hurdles or roadblocks or where are people stuck the most? Like, what do you find there and how do you, how can people maybe look at that if it's going on in their lives? And then what could they do about it to start maybe having a shift, a paradigm shift? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I think there's so many things that we get stuck on, but women, for the most part, it's some form of, I'm not enough. I'm, I'm not, you know, pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, tall enough, thin enough, whatever enough it is. Uh, and it tends to hold us back because we don't want to step out. We don't want to take a chance because we're afraid. And so 
while that may not be the thing that holds every woman back on some level deep down there's this thing inside us that has told us or somebody has said to us see for me that was actually a very that was a statement that was said to me in fourth grade I remember it like it was yesterday and the teacher basically said who do you think you are and it 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 has rippled throughout my life and it wasn't until probably I don't know, five, six, seven years ago that I finally just kind of called that, that out of, she didn't mean that in that way. And I don't have to carry that. Who do I think I am? And it literally carried through in everything that I was doing. And it was just kind of this voice in the back of my head, always going like, well, who do you think you are? And so it kind of unfortunately fed into the, you're not enough. And then it fed into working. So I've worked in the ministry and it can be hard at times when you're in the ministry because it's, how do you say, I need to take a break because you're working for God and you're helping people and you're doing all these things. So it's hard to have, it's hard at times to have healthy boundaries. And then when you have this voice behind you, so I really struggled with workaholism uh, and perfectionism in the ministry early on, just because of those two things that were stuck So a lot of people that I talk to and a lot of women that I coach have some form, some variant form of that statement kind of that they've been wrestling with as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that is one of the biggest things. Everyone probably asks themselves, both men and women, but I agree with you. I think women, we have even more of that weight or those messages, whether it's culturally, societal, in our families and in the workplaces, because let's be honest, a lot of us do work in environments where it may be a male dominated industry, right? Or workplace. But so I'm curious, are there ways that we start working on feeling more worthy and not feeling that we're less than something else? Do you have any quick tips on, you know, how do we start shifting our mindset or, you know, do you recommend anything like journaling or any other sort of work like that? Yeah, actually it's been, it for me, it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of intentional work to kind of chip away uh, and change my mental mindset and and capture my thoughts. And I'm a believer. So I I go back to the word. And so I just kind of, it's Romans 12 to, you know, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I try to take every thought captive, but then I also try to feed my mind with, with good stuff. And I think also counseling has been huge I have been in ministry for 20 years. I have been in counseling for 20 years just because you're dealing with people's stuff and it's hard and it's heavy and I'm not supposed to carry that. And it it took me a little while to figure out that's not my burden to carry. I'm supposed to go with them and help shoulder it and walk with them, but it's not my burden to carry. So it took me a little while to kind of figure out like I can, I can be a part of it, but I don't have to carry it. And so God really did some work on me there. And I think a lot of times as women, we pick up other people's stuff and we're not supposed to carry all of their stuff. We can, we can walk alongside them, but we don't have to to carry their backpack of burdens uh, for them. So counseling, renewing my mind, really kind of wrestling with some of my own stuff. Uh, And then I think there was a couple of years ago, I went through a two day life plan retreat. And it was amazing, totally life-changing for me because it really allowed me, it was two full days, intensive work. It was glorious and amazing, but hard and emotional because it takes a look at your whole life 
and it, from the beginning of your memory to where you are now. And it, it shows patterns in your life. And then it kind of helps you figure out what your your core values are and the things that are important to you. And, and so you kind of, they, they call it circling the mountain. So you kind of keep talking about the same thing. And then by the time you get to the top of the mountain, you're very, very clear on who you are, why you exist, why God created you. And so I walked away with like a why statement that was very clear to me. And so it, it has allowed me and freed me to say no to things that are not for me, but say yes, like with full abandon and joy to the things that are for me. And that was very, very freeing. That's fantastic. And I actually love that you brought up the life plan because I talked to so many people. And actually, even when I talked to my husband about this, you know, I've tried to say to him, like, well, what's your, what's your plan for this? Or what's our vision for? And he struggles with that a little bit, but I, I talked to a lot of people that they really other than this year or knowing things like, oh, we need to save money. They really don't have a vision necessarily for their, their whole future. Mm. You know, they don't have a roadmap for their marriage and for their, their personal growth, their faith, you know, journey, all of these things, because they haven't put the time into it, you know, Mm. or they didn't realize like, oh, this is a thing. And this would really actually help me, like you said, gain clarity and gain understanding of my why. Mm. And really get clear on this, this path and sort of my purpose and where I'm going. So mm. I love that you were able to do that. And I think that would benefit so many people if they were able to, you know, I know there's online ones you can print as well if you can't go to a retreat, but I think that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, because otherwise, think about it, you, you don't get anywhere on accident. You don't, you don't, I, like uh, me, I, I live in a new small town in Kentucky. I Google everything. I don't know where anything is. So I have to make a map and follow the map. And so it's the same way with my, my life, with my exercise, with my eating, with my, my work, with my marriage, with, you know, our goals as a family, thankfully my husband is wired the same way. And so like, we do this every year. So we sit down the week between Christmas and New Year. We go away. We have a retreat. What are our goals for this next year? What are our five-year goals? What are our 10-year goals? You know, and now we're coming up on the second half of, of life and, and goals look different now. But if we don't have goals, I mean, I think it is Michael Hyatt or somebody like that. You you drift and, and drift happens. And the current of life will take you where it wants you to go, not where you want to go. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's so good. So let me ask you, how can people as they're kind of stepping into, you know, their, like you said, whether it's their next season or a new opportunity, how do we rise up to our potential? I mean, do you have suggestions for how people can, how do we keep improving ourselves, you know, and working on ourselves? Because obviously, like you said, we can't, we don't want to stagnate because Mm -hmm. we want to continue to grow in all the areas of our life. So do you have any suggestions for how we sort of step into our potential? Well, part of that is planning. And for me, it's also equipping myself with the tools that I need to make sure that I can do those things. So it's even from as simple as my daily journal is the full focus planner from Michael Hyatt. I know I, I sound like a weirdo because I've already said him multiple times. No, I, I but, love Michael Hyatt. Too, okay. So. <laughs> but the full focus planner, because and I make a plan for the year, I have annual goals. I have habit goals. I have things, I have big three each week that are working towards my goals. My goals are always in front of me because we think that we're going to remember them, but we don't. Life right. happens. It gets busy. And so I think it's equipping yourself with the right tools I also think it's surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, it's those things that we used to tell our kids, you you become who you hang out with. And 
it's kind of, I think Jim Rohn says this, you're the sum quality of the five people that you spend the most time with. And I know I probably butchered that quote, but it's so true. So I try to surround myself with other women that are just really going for it that, you know, I have really close friends that don't are not wired like me and I love them. They love me and they hold me accountable on other things. But for the women that are kind of going after the same things that I'm going after, that's who I want to surround myself with because it's that verse in, uh, in the Bible, it says iron sharpens iron. And most people think it's a guy verse, but women can sharpen each other just as much. So I like to surround myself with women that are a little bit further down the road for me that are, at the same place in the journey and a little bit behind me because I I really think it's like a race where you hand off the baton. So you're reaching forward and you're learning from somebody ahead of you. You're running the race with other people beside you, but then you're also reaching back and you're helping somebody else. That's really my heartbeat is, is I want to learn and grow from somebody a little bit ahead. I'm going to run my race with other women that I respect and admire and are doing their thing also, but I'm also going to grab behind and hand off to someone that's a little bit further behind me and help pull her up so that she can start running her race as well. Yeah. I love how you said that. And I think it's so true because you're right. Anytime they've studied how, how someone seemed like all of a sudden they had success. And obviously I don't mean success has to be defined by money, but some measure. And they found that it was often sometimes people moved to a new area or got into a new group or around a different group of people. But but those people were doing and moving things, making things happen. And when they did that, I mean, this is through all of history. Those people had this I mean, such greater growth, mm-hmm. right, in success, because they, like you said, they were surrounding them with people that were doing that. And they said, oh, hold on. How did they do that? And you, you start yeah. learning, you start gaining knowledge. You also start realizing, wait a minute, I can do this too. You know, yes. you, don't, you don't keep limiting yourself. Yes. That's great. Like you said, to be mentoring women, you really do need people that are kind of at your same level because you can talk to them about your current challenges and struggles yes. and wins and successes. And then, like you said, the people ahead of you, we always have to be striving for that continued growth and momentum. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you illustrated that really well. I love that. Let me ask you, I know some of your core things, and I think you're writing a book. I think about these things, but you can tell us about that in a minute. Talk. You talked about you know, doing it afraid, owning your leadership gifts and finding your community. Can you talk to us a little bit more in detail about some of those things and how people might do those things? Like, how do you Uh, understand your leadership gifts if you haven't done that before? And then maybe are there suggestions for how we find a community of people to support us and that we can Mm. be a part of? Yeah. So thank you. Yes, I am finishing up a book right now. It's specifically for women in ministry. I do think a lot of the principles can be applied to women that are not in ministry, just women kind of figuring out their leadership. And it is based off of my experience in the ministry and things that I've learned. It's basically, uh, I tell people all the time, it's a what to expect when you're expecting, but it's basically the what to expect when you're going into ministry as a woman. And so uh, my goal is to kind of shorten the learning curve for people. But in the back half of the book, the, the three things that I talk about the most are finding your community. It's so, it's it can be so lonely to be a female leader, it can be lonely anyways, even in a world where we're all super uber connected with the internet and everything else. But sometimes we we just feel so lonely, like nobody gets us, nobody understands us. So I talk about it in the book about finding your community. And in that context, it's in your church, outside of your church and in different types of friends. You know, we have a, a small group that we've been a part of for probably 15 years. And the women in that group can pretty much say anything to me. And I will 
probably be hurt and or offended and or bothered and or whatever. But I know that what they're saying to me is born out of love because they have walked with my family for 15 plus years through hell and back and have literally stood the test of time and genuinely have just love and respect for me. So finding your community is part of that is finding people that that know you, that deeply love you, that will have your back. And then some of it's just as simple as finding your community. I'm new to this area in Kentucky and through Called Creatives, which is how we met. I met some other girls here in Kentucky and had lunch. And I was so excited because the first time in seven months, I went out to lunch with a new friend. And I was like, this is so important. We need other women to to go on this journey with us. So I think it, it can be as deep and as rich as, as those relationships that I've had for 15 plus years. And it can be a brand new friendship that we went to McAllister's for lunch and sat and talked for two hours just about, you know, life and what God's been doing in our life. So there's some intentionality on both parts because it'd be very easy to, to drift away from the relationships because they take time. And, and they take energy. And so it's, I tell people all the time, you, you need to just schedule it. That's one of the things I love about my planner. Every week I write in there two friends that I want to reach out to. And it's not the same two friends. And I'm a card writer. So I'm a big words of affirmation person. And so I will send out cards to people. I love you, or I love our friendship, or this is why you are so special to me, or thank you for listening to me when I verbally vomited all over you about whatever. So I think there takes some intentionality on that. The do it afraid, that's really the whole premise of the whole take the step. And this is born out of just a lot of the coaching calls that I've had this last year and a half has really been, well, how, how do I do? I don't know. Every, everything's all wackadoodle in this season. This is the time to okay. take the step and step out. And, and really, that was my word you know how people have a word for the year. The word from the year for 2021 for me was a sentence. It was take the step. And and so God has really pushing me to do it afraid. And so, and it's funny because every person that I've coached in the last year, I've had that do it afraid conversation. Like, what do you have to lose? Go, let's take this layer by layer by layer and go, okay, what, I mean, really, if you're just worried about looking foolish or afraid or whatever, what do you have to lose? Do you, do you really care what, you know, Sammy Joe or whatever, whoever down the street that you don't even know, do you really, I mean, does it matter what they think of you? I mean, and then going back to the core of who does it matter? Right. And, and are they going to be more happy that you tried or more disappointed that you failed? And honestly, failure is not final. Failure is just another learning tool. And so funny because God, you know how he works. He works on us first and then he gives us opportunity to share that. And so that's kind of really what he's been doing is is really helping me do it afraid, take the step, be obedient. And yet he's also allowing me the opportunity to tell other women to do the same thing. What do we have to lose? Especially now, what do we have to lose? Absolutely. Well, yeah. And the real truth is, is if you just try that one tiny baby next thing, you realize this wasn't that bad. I was so horrified. It's not that bad. And then what I have to, when I am working with people, I tell them the same thing, which is, or that, and then I say, look, if this even helps one person, yes, you might feel silly putting out that message or that video or because you're, because you haven't done it a lot. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable or it's new or you're, you feel like, oh, I look silly. But when you do it, you, you know, you start seeing people comment and then they'll tell you, oh, my gosh, that 
I really enjoyed your little message or I, or mm-hmm. this, you know, spoke to me or I so really related to that. But you start realizing that, yes, someone might think, oh, what is she doing? But there's someone else waiting to hear that message, waiting for yes. you to step up and say something and to, yes. you know, empower them and enable them and see them. So Yeah. And you know what, that Kristen, that's exactly why I have literally, I've co-authored a couple of books, but I just write my thing and do my part and I'm out. So I've had no, not not no skin in the game, but it's different. You know, somebody else is handling all the details, but God told me this book for 10 years. He he's given me this book for 10 years mm-hmm. and I've sat on it and I finally decided this year, take the step. Like, what do I have to lose? And so I started writing and it turned into nothing as to what I thought it was going to be. And it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. And yet at the same time, I'm scared out of my mind. Yeah. Just, I want to be very transparent about publishing this book because it's just got my name on it. The other books, I'm a co-author, you know, which is great and it's awesome. And there's some safety and security in that. This is going to have my name on it. And and not because it's about me, but because finally I'm being obedient. And that's kind of where I had to get and say, if it helps one woman, if it helps one woman learn and grow and know that she's not alone, this was totally worth all the blood, sweat, tears, and a lot of tears, and a, and a lot of tears, and a lot of sweat, and insecurity, and everything else. Because if it helps her, that's all that matters. And that's kind of where I had to get to is kind of get past myself and do it afraid. I'm terrified, but I'm doing it afraid. Yeah. So, right. I mean, anything we do, and they say this, no matter how long you've been running your business or you're an author of one book or a hundred books. It doesn't matter. Everyone's asked that same question like, oh, what are people going to think of me? Am I worthy? At any level, people think, oh, once you get to a certain level of success. Well, no, I'm not saying if you do the same talk you've ever always done, maybe you feel a little more confident. But if you're doing anything new, which hopefully people are, they're going to ask these questions. Even when I've done some of the, I'm trying to do many episodes of the podcast along with the interviews. But because that's newer for me right now, you know, I do show up when I'm about to record and go, oh, my gosh, oh my gosh, what am I going to talk about? And it's really daunting. And then I think, oh, this is kind of embarrassing. What if this doesn't resonate or what if this doesn't? And I just mm-hmm. have to say to myself, just do it. Like, that's what came to me. That's the thing I wrote down to talk about. Yes, it's kind of like having training wheels on. I just have to remember I'm learning. I'll probably have to pivot. I'll probably get some feedback that doesn't feel so fun or good. And but I know that I know that I have to walk through these steps. In yeah. order to fully mature the book. Yes. Yes. But it's still scary and it still makes me some days be like, oh my gosh, or what if that I'm at, I have quotes at a lot of the end of mine, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. You know, you start questioning things and you go, yeah. you know what? Ship it, just like um Seth Godin says. Yes. Just yes. work and ship the work because until, yes. unless someone wants your ship work, it in beta. Yes. yes. Right. That's right. So yeah, I love but that. But that's that's so hard because I I can get analysis paralysis. And then I told you, I already struggle with perfectionism. So, you know, I I can, I can wait and wait and make it perfect and wait. And I finally had to just go ship it in beta. You're always going to be tweaking it. It's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. It, It doesn't. Well, and I think the great thing, this ties back to what you said earlier, which is the whole reason that so many people see others like like ourselves and the things we're working on stepping out, even if we're afraid, stepping out and just taking those steps is because we clearly have found and understand our why. Yeah. In other words, we're a lot, we can keep reflecting back to that reason 
that says, I know I want to have these messages and these conversations out in the world, just like your book, you want to help people and women in ministry leadership to actually have this as sort of a guide. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that the the knowing your why really, uh, it just drowns out all the noise, all the superfluous stuff. And because that's the the enemy of great is good. It's not it's not bad. We're not distracted by bad things. We're distracted by good things that are not necessarily our things. So they're good things that we can do, but it's not necessarily what we're supposed to be doing. And so discerning a a yes and a no, because when you say yes, you're saying no to something else. So it's that balance of of finding out. And that's what I love about even with your podcast is building a life that you love. It's there's intentionality, there's choice, there's, there there are hard decisions to be made in that and we can do it and we can do it afraid. Right. And it may not be perfect, but at least we're stepping out and, and we're, we're, we're taking that step. Yeah. So let me ask you, do you have any suggestions for people that maybe haven't really done some of the things you can do to learn about your leadership gifts? Cause obviously you don't have to be in ministry to understand mm-hmm. your, or your gifts in general. Right. But do you have any ideas on anything there that would benefit people? Yes, for sure. And I think that that's huge because to go forward, to grow, you have to know, you have to know who you are. For me, I know whose I am. So I know that my identity in Christ is a big driver in, in everything that I do. But whether it's Myers-Briggs or Discs or Strengths Finder, Enneagram or whatever your jam is, you you know, I, I've taken every one of them. I've taken everyone. I know who, I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are. I know what I need to work on. I know it's kind of the same thing, even in leadership, when I know what my strengths are, and I know what my weaknesses are. So I know what I'm going to double down and work on is my strengths and not my weaknesses. It's kind of goes against everything that I was taught growing up back in the day, back in the day, you worked on the thing that you weren't any good at. And you spent all your time trying to be okay at something. And you know, well, the reality is math is not my jam. I my husband is a numbers man. And it's great going shopping with him because it, I can get, I can have a 20% off coupon and I can sales tax. And he's like, duh, 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 duh. and I'm like, that's awesome. I can't do that. That is God did not wire me that way. And so if I spend all my time trying to work on being a numbers person, then I'm not actually rocking and rolling in, in where I am gifted. And so in my leadership, I surround myself with people that that have other gifts than me and in those places that I'm weak so that we can have a whole and healthy team with all the different gifts. The, the Bible is full of scripture about your spiritual gifts and everybody has, when you become a believer, everybody gets one. You can get more than one as you grow and mature, you can develop other gifts. And, and I think we jokingly talked about this pre-recording about part of that was when I was a kid, I remember people like, telling my parents, my goodness, she's a bossy little thing. And I, I thought, well, what's wrong with me? And it wasn't until I realized that I had a leadership gift when I became a believer. And it was really my leadership gift that he, that was already kind of in me, but he gave me a, a, you know, part of it also. And so when I developed it and worked it in and shoved off all the layers of self, it was very apparent that I had this gift. So I, to, 
to know what you have, you, to know who you are, you got to know who you are. So take the time to do some of those tests, uh, do a spiritual gifts inventory. They have free ones online all the time. If you're a, a faith believer, check that out. If not, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, DISC, Strengths Finder. And then you can kind of, my big thing with all of those is, is I don't allow them to be a crutch. So my, right now I'm an Enneagram seven, and I know that causes a lot of things for some people in the faith about Enneagram, whatever. So I'm an Enneagram seven, which means that I'm an, an enthusiast. My husband's an Enneagram one, which means he's a reformer. He's a perfectionist. I am the Tasmanian devil. I am all over the place. I don't use that as a crutch. I don't say, well, well, I'm just a this. And so I'm just going to do this, that, or the other. No, I know enough about myself, but I also know how other people can perceive me. And so the wisdom and maturity in that is not only knowing who you are, but how you affect other people around you. And so it's not just about knowing your own gifts and your own strengths and and who you are. It's how does that play well in your work, in your home, in your family, in, in all the environments that you're placed in. And so it, again, it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about. It's some intentionality on your part to kind of really dig in on who you are so that you really, really are living your best life and, and loving the life that you have. Yeah, I think that's, that's good because the point is, is if we, the more knowledge we have, whether it's what, what it can be from these types of tests or processes, it can be going through life plan. It can be, you know, just sitting down and reflecting, making lists for yourselves, right, of your future goals. It can be so many things. Probably all of it really is needed. But the more we do that, the more we can start being informed by, but one, the knowledge and our desires. But then two, like you said, how do we take that information and step into the world, both for ourselves, but to your point, if we're informed about how we process things and how we act or how, you know, how what our personality might be like, we also, like you said, might say, oh, well, they're perceiving me a certain way because of the way I speak, because of the way I'm really empathetic or I'm an introvert. So I tend to be quieter and they might perceive me differently than I perceived how how they might perceive me. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's more introspective. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's important. And I think that's really good uh, thoughts for people. So let me ask you before we wrap up and we find out how people can find out more about you online. Is there any last words of encouragement you want to share with people that maybe are stepping into or would like to step into this next part of their life, whether it's starting a side hustle or stepping into um, something, maybe they, you know, make a craft or maybe they've been wanting to work with their church, whatever the thing is, is do you have any last um, ideas or encouragement you might share with them on kind of stepping into something new, new possibilities? Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say one, as we've said, do it afraid, take the step, make it happen. Um, And I would say that God's not done with you yet. I don't care if you're 6, 16, 26, 36, 46, 56, 66, on up in the six, whatever. I don't care how old you are because God's not done with you yet. There's still things for you to do. There's still things for you to learn. And quite honestly, we need you to do that. We need other women to step up and, and really own their own their gifts, own their leadership, you know, take the step, find their community. We need each other to do that. And then we also need to be able to cheer each other on. We don't, we don't need to be women that are tearing each other down. We need to be women that are really cheerleading each other and encouraging each other and saying, that a girl, I knew you could do it. And, and you know what, when we fall and we will fall, I mean, listen, this pandemic has been funky for all of us. And, and we've had I've had personal failures and stuff happen and I don't really even like that word. Um, 
but it's reality. But I, I it's that uh, old Babe Ruth quote, you know, don't let the fear of striking out keep you from swinging. This is going to be my thing this next year. I'm just going to keep on swinging because God's not done with me yet. And I would say the same thing for everybody listening. There is something that you're supposed to be doing. And so I would just encourage you to to step up and and, and do it because that's that's how you build a life that you love is you you just do it afraid. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing is, I think one thing we've seen over the last handful of years, but it just seems like there's, we're seeing more hatred and anger and just dissatisfaction around the world at this point in so many areas. Mm -hmm. But I think the point is we all need to show up and shine our light and be Mm -hmm. the love and be the message that's different than that, you know, because that's the only way that we outshine that. And so I think, you know, now is the time if you aren't already doing those things, right, to be part of your community and you know, be out there, you know, sharing positivity, sharing whatever your gift is, whatever mm-hmm. your, the, your talent and your passions are, because the world really does need it, I think, now more than ever. I would completely agree with you. Well, it's been so fabulous talking to you today, Melissa. I so much appreciate it. Can you share with us how people can reach you and find out more about you online? Absolutely. I am on uh, pretty much all the socials. I have not been on TikTok. You will not see me dancing. Um, but <laughs> Melissa Mashburn on that. If you are a woman in ministry and you happen to be listening, I'd love to invite you. I run a private Facebook group called Ministry Chick for, for female leaders in the ministry. Uh, it's just a safe place for you to come and hang out and, and just be with other other female leaders that are doing the journey with with you. Um, and then uh, my website is melissamashburn.com. And then my consulting company is practicalsolutionsforgrowth.com. So that's how you can find me. Most of the time, I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram, probably hanging out in stories. Awesome. I love it. So thank you for all the work you're doing and all the encouragement you provide in your community and in ministry. I much appreciate it. And I look forward to connecting with you again. Thanks so much, Kristen. I love joining you today. Thank you. And I want to share these words with you by Rebecca Float in her book, Own Your Brush. She says, seek to find out strengths, take the time to affirm them. And if they align with you, move forward in collaboration. Don't allow the fear of hearing no keep you from asking. Remember how we talked about seeds? Every moment of your life is a seed. You are either planting seeds for your vision of what you want, or you are planting seeds of doubt that your dreams will not happen. Every moment you don't invest in your future, you are doubting what could and will happen. Dream large and take action. Creativity reigns in what is available to you now. Don't wait for your dreams to come to you. Use what you have and start planting for your future. And I love the conversation I had today with Melissa about supporting other people and bringing them along. And I love that we talked about finding your gifts and your strengths and working on those things. And I love what Rebecca says, we're either planting seeds of hope and going after our dreams and our passions or we're planting seeds of doubt. I don't know about you, but I want to plant a garden full of hope in my passions and I want to see it grow. I want to water it and take care of it. And I want to keep adding new seeds to that garden. And just remember, Understand your gifts and your strengths and work on those things. Create a plan and a vision for your future and keep growing the seeds that will allow you to make that vision a possibility. So here's to growing gardens full of hope and passion and possibilities. And thanks again for listening in. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can check out freebies and resources we have for you at kristenfitch.com. 
And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. Until next time, have a great week.